0: Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Four Reasons Why We Love the Blood of Jesus. Four reasons why we love the blood of Jesus. Oftentimes we sing songs about the blood of Jesus, but we really don't know the depth of it. So therefore, the blood of Jesus is, is a, a cognitive thing, but it's not bubbling in our spirit because we've never really dived into it and so I want to dive into it this morning and there's four major points to today's message number one the blood of Jesus redeems number two the blood of Jesus cleanses Uh, number three the blood of Jesus justifies and number four the blood of Jesus sanctifies Now, if you ever want to take a deep dive into the scriptures, you'll find that the blood of Jesus does way more than that. But for the sake of time, I'm going to talk about those four things. Uh, Let me start off by saying our blood, your blood, my blood, the blood of Jesus, it's not a a stagnant noun where it's... uh, a person place thing or idea it's it's actually a living product your blood is alive it's a, going to be alive long after you die I'll give you an example in Genesis chapter 4 Adam and Eve had two sons and uh, many of you know the story and uh, Abel offered the Lord an offering and When he offered the Lord the offering, it came from his soul, and and he gave it to him, and he he enjoyed giving it to him. We don't know if the offering was larger than Cain's, if it was the same as Cain's, if it was less than Cain's, his brother, his brother Cain. But we know it was the spirit by which he offered it to him. He's like, he was joyful in offering him the offering. But his brother Cain, he gave it reluctantly. It may have even been more than what Abel was offering. But he gave it reluctantly, and so therefore the Lord did did not accept the offering. Saying, I'm looking into your heart, I see how you're offering me, and I don't even like it. Um, In the scriptures, um, if you give me a second to think about it, Genesis 4.12, it says this, If... He looks at Cain and he says, if you do not do what is good, I'm sorry, if you do what is good, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door, its desire is for you, you must master it. And so Cain uh, was incredibly angry that God did not accept him. And so he he, he sneaks up on his brother Abel and kills him and and hides his body. And the Lord shows up to Cain and he says these words in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. He says this, Abel, I'm sorry, Cain, I hear your brother's blood crying out to me. What have you done? See, our blood is, it's alive, and I don't have time to tackle that. I was going to tackle it because it's so attractive. But just like our blood is alive, we, our blood is only alive because the blood of Jesus is alive. And, and it's, it's, when I say it's alive, I want you to imagine how we cannot see sound waves, We can't see it. There's sound waves coming, shooting up to satellites in space, and coming back down. If we could see sound waves, there's these waves just plummeting the earth, coming from all directions. You can't see it, but it's coming like crazy. As I'm speaking right now, the sound waves are coming out of my mouth, and it's rolling into your ears. The blood of Jesus is just like that. It's constantly, it's like a river. It just flows down. And so, I'm going to talk about that today, and the first thing that his blood does is it redeems us. The definition of redeem is to buy back with a purchase. So, let me unpack that buying back. The Lord bought you back. So this is, this is why and this is how. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. When Adam sinned, sin came into the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. So everyone has sinned. So let me try to illustrate this with a word picture. Imagine the world, uh, everybody can see the world, a picture of the world. Imagine around the world is this covering that nothing unholy can get to it. It's like a bubble on top of the world, surrounding the world. The world's in the bubble. And around that bubble are these black sinful angels, like a, a flock of bats. Circling the globe, and they want nothing more to get in and to torment Adam, Eve, the family, and torment mankind for the rest of uh, the life of the earth. But they can't get in. And then, when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, it was almost like this, like there was a tear in the atmosphere. And these demons that have wanted to get in so bad, they come in like bats. They come in like these dark angels, and they've been here ever since. And so when we wake up, I'm sorry, when we are born, we do not have to learn to sin, because when Adam sinned, death spread to everyone. Uh, You don't have to teach your kid how to be a brat. It's instinctual. You actually have to work it out of them or spank it out of them or time out them out of them or or whatever. I don't even know what time out is. I was raised by an Italian and a Brazilian. The only time out I ever had is when they slapped me and I was out. I'm not condoning it. I'm just telling you that's how I was raised. I was in a grocery store, and I heard this little four-year-old say to his mom, Shut up! And I started hiding. (laughs) I'm hiding behind the bread. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, there's going to be a war. She's about to. And she was like, No, you don't talk to Mommy like that. And I was like. I come from a family where we went through the drive-thru. I told my dad one time, I want a hamburger with no pickles. He goes, you're going to eat it the way it comes. (laughs) Why did I tell you all that? That, that, Oh, (laughs) kids just have this thing about them. Uh, My daughter, uh, she's eight years old, my youngest daughter. Uh, When she was five and six, she had this, she found great joy in lying. When she was at school. She was in Carline waiting for my wife to come pick her up. And they said, where's your mommy? And she goes, oh, she works at Starbucks. <laughs> Where did that come from? And so the next day, she said, yeah, my mommy's running late because uh, she had to go to Target. She told me I could walk over there and go see her. So I'll see you tomorrow. Sit down there and, like, Kate, hey, at this point, you're not telling stories. You're lying. And we got to work that out. Because when sin came into the world, it's almost like the Lord had his children, and then sin just like stole us away. And so he had to buy us back. That's called to be redeemed. Thank you for, yeah, help me out. (laughs) Encourage me. He had to buy us back. He had to come to the enemy and say, I'm going to, there was a payment for Adam and Eve's sin. Somebody has to pay for this. So when he died, his blood was the payment for our sin. So he redeemed us. He bought us back. Uh, there was a story I heard years ago, I'm going to have to go through point th- two, three, and four much quicker than point one, but I heard a story years ago, many of you have heard this story, it's a story of this little boy, and I'm telling you this story because you may remember this story more than you remember anything else. Uh, a little, uh, this little boy decided he was going to make a sailboat. And so he bought all the pieces, he bought the wood, he bought the glue, bought the material, and he made the sailboat. And because he made it, it was his favorite toy. And so he would go down to uh, the creek, and he would just sail it and push it around. And as it would sail, he was so proud, because he made it and it was working. And he would just push it around. Well, one day, there was a gust of wind and it caught his sail, and his boat went racing down the river. So he got on the bank, and he started chasing the boat. But the wind was so strong, it took his boat, and he lost his boat. He was obviously sad about that. One day he was uh, just playing. It was a small community, so he could kind of run around. And he passed a pawn shop, and in the window was his boat. It's like, that's my boat. So he goes inside of the pawn shop, and he says, that's my boat. I, somebody found my boat. They took my boat. That's, I made that boat. And the pawn shop guy says, look, I, you know, I'm sorry, kid, but if you want that boat, you're going to have to buy that boat. I own that boat. So he goes out and starts mowing grass and doing whatever he's got to do to find some more money, and he comes back to the pawn shop. He gives him the money and buys the boat back. And as he's walking home, he's holding the boat, and he says, I made you, and then I bought you. You're twice mine. Isn't that good? You're twice mine. That's what redeemed is. I'm going to redeem you. Number two, he cleanses you. Everybody says he cleanses you. This is something that the blood of Jesus does. It just, it, it's like this, this crimson, like crimson waterfall. You can't see it. It's like sound waves, but it just pours over you. Uh, we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. And it talks about God. It talks about Jesus as the Son of God. And then it talks, it talks about the Holy Spirit and the blood. All in a couple verses so Peter says this God knew you and saw you long ago he, he saw your face before your mother was born he saw your face it says that God knew you and called you long ago he knew you, he saw you, and he beckoned you he called you Jennifer, you're mine. Tamika, you're mine. John, you're mine. You're mine. He called you before you were born. So God knew you and called you long ago. The Holy Spirit came upon you and made you holy, which means I'm going to separate you from everyone else. You are unique and special and I have a divine plan for you, for us to walk together, talk together, and do something special together. That's worth clapping for. But the next part of the verse says this, And you responded and were cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now, any one of us that has ever decided to pursue Jesus, if you've ever given your life to the Lord, you know what this feels like. All of a sudden, you back up, and you've said something, you've done something, you thought something, you did something, and you know, you know in your heart that God did not like that. And sometimes you look back at your old life, it's almost like, you know, I, I was, um, I don't want to brag about it, I want to put a dark light on it. Um, but in the years of 17, 18, 19, and 20, Those were some sinful years for me. And so when I look, like sinful, like black sinful, not like gray sinful. Anybody have uh, chapters of their life that even if I pull your fingernails out, you still won't talk about it? (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I get it, I get it, I get it. You're sitting next to your family and you're like, Nope. Anyway, the Lord looks at us and He says, My blood is going to cleanse you of all that. He doesn't look at you and say, I'm going to cleanse you for what you did, Frankie, when you were in high school. It's alive, it's constantly flowing, and it continues to forgive you. Sometimes we punish ourselves way longer than the Lord ever did. The moment, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess with your mouth your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all (laughs) unrighteousness. Bam! The the crimson waterfall immediately, and then the enemy just torments us and we kick ourselves in the rear end for five months. Right? That's the trick of the enemy. Uh, Let me illustrate this point. Um, one of my favorite preachers. I, he was, he's been dead for over 100 years. He's my favorite. His name is Charles Finney. And he was walking home after a service and this guy physically pushed him into his, a, a bar. And he owned the bar. Pushed him into the bar and then locked the door behind him. And he said, I've heard you preach. I've heard you preach. And I want to know. If God can forgive a heart like mine. So Finney quickly started to answer the question. He goes, hold on. He goes, I own this bar. And I've had many, many wives come into this bar and beg me to stop over-serving their husbands. He goes, I have over-served them so much. He goes, many die before they get home. They get into a wreck. They get into a fight. They... Many have died. And he goes, when they come here and I overserve them and once they get really, really drunk, we move them into our back room and we play cards. And we mark our cards. And we mark our cards to make sure that we win every time so that when they leave, they're completely broke. He goes, can God forgive a heart like mine? Charles Finney said, the only authority I have is the blood of Jesus. And yes, God can forgive a heart like yours. He goes, but there's more. He goes, I have beat my wife and my children many times over again. Can God forgive a heart like mine? Charles Finney said, yes, God can forgive a heart like yours. And then he said, you know, I don't know, Charles Finney said this, I don't know if I have ever met a person that has such dark sins as yours. He goes, but it's not under my authority. The blood of Jesus is my authority, and you're forgiven. In other words, Charles Finney was thinking to himself, if I were God, have <laughs> you ever thought that? If I were God. I don't think I could forgive you, but I'm not God, and it's His blood that's flowing, and yes, you're forgiven. To anyone in here, those deep, dark ones that nobody knows about, that happened 24 hours ago, not 10 hours, not 10 years ago, yeah, those two. Can you give God a round of applause for This is the blood of Jesus. So he redeems, he cleanses. I've got to hit the last two a little bit quicker than the first two. Otherwise, uh, this service is going to go too long. Uh, He redeems, he cleanses, he justifies. To justify means to make one righteous. Sanctify, which is my last point, is to make one holy. To make one righteous means when you stand before me, you are right with me. When you stand before God, you are right in his eyes. You are only right. You have only been made right because of the blood of Jesus. Let me see if, if I can illustrate this. Anyone have any cash on them, like a $10 bill, $20 bill, $3 bill? Psych. Come on, bring it. Come up here. Come up here, Don. Come on, come on this side. Um, what do you got? Perfect. Perfect. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Uh, this is one of my good friends. And he's like, I just wanted to give you the money. I didn't want to stand here. $10. Are you in a good mood today? Absolutely. Good, good, good. You are. You're probably the wrong person for this illustration because you're always in a good mood. Uh, I know that for a fact. The guy's always in a good mood. You're in a good mood today. So how much is this $10 worth? $10. It's $10. Now, I know what you do for a living it's very stressful. Yes sir. It's very stressful. And you're at the top of your field and I admire that. Let's just say the middle of the afternoon you got some quacks that you work with. <laughs> you have some qu- <laughs> I just saw somebody on that side of the sanctuary go. You know, you know what I mean. It's just a quack, and they're just tormenting you. They're not hurting you. They're just like duck nibbles, just biting your ankles the whole time, and you just want to. It. It's like. <laughs> so if that happens, and you're in a bad mood tomorrow afternoon around 1 o'clock, how much is this $10 worth? It doesn't matter. In a good mood, bad mood, you're still worth the same to the Lord. You're worth the same. You're worth the same. Sometimes we think to ourselves after we pray, it's like, oh, man, God loves me. Oh, God loves me. You walk out of church and you just got done singing. I am a friend of God. I'm a friend of you. You can hardly get to your car. You're floating to your car. Ooh. Monday morning, you're, I'm going to kill you if you keep this up. And then by the time you get home Monday night, you're just thinking, I don't even. Sunday happened five years ago. Are you with me? And and it's like God's a million miles away. And then, you know, you can hardly control your tongue when you're in a bad mood. And so you start saying things. You start doing things. And come Tuesday, it's like, I'm I'm a mess. And you don't even want to say I'm sorry to the Lord because you've said sorry for that exact thing 7,000 times. And it's just like I need to to repent. I need your forgiveness. I need your blood. But you and I both know it's very likely I might do this again. And so I don't. Am I talking to anybody? Am I talking to anybody? You are just as valuable. He loves you just as much on Tuesday afternoon as he did when you were floating out of here on Sunday morning. That's called justified. He, he made you righteous. Let me dive into sanctification. Sanctification is not making you righteous, making you right. You are right with me. You are my family. Sanctification means to make you holy. Now, salvation, being a part of the family, having an address in heaven, that happens in a moment. Sanctification, now that's a process. That's a process. That's why after we're saved, we're still kind of working it out. You ever look at somebody and they go to judge you because you're a Christian? You're "You're a Christian? You talk like that? You say, look, you know, he's still working on me. Or you've been there. He's still working on me. That's sanctification. That's holiness. Holiness is when God says, "I am taking you. I'm setting you apart." That's holiness. The blood of Jesus comes like have you ever been in the ocean in, in not Galveston. That's I don't know what that is. <laughs> but like you're in Miami or you're in California or something like that, and you're standing there and and you turn your back on the waves and it's like boom. You're like whoa. It pushes you. That's what the blood of Jesus says. It comes like a wave and it pushes you into holiness. And all of a sudden you look at your old life and you're like, man, that that seems like another me ago. You know what I mean? It, It pushes you into holiness. He's setting you apart. But here's the key. Here's the key. You yourself, after the Lord has pushed you in that direction, you yourself have to participate in that process. You have to. The Lord is pushing you, but you can like push back into the waves. You gotta say, "I'm I'm choo- I am choosing to be separate." This is very important. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty. It says this: In a great house, there are not only vessels made of gold and silver. But also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. In a great house, in the house of God, there are some children that are gold and silver, honorable. There's also some children, dishonorable. It says this so, cleanse yourself. it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. But remember what I just said. He pushes you like a wave into sanctification, into holiness. I'm pulling you to be separate. But now I need you to cooperate with me. And so it says, so, there's a gold and silver, So, sanctify yourself. Cleanse yourself. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not talking like that anymore. I'm not wearing that anymore. I'm not, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not going to talk about people anymore. I'm not going to rip people anymore, even if it's true. It's not my place to say it's true. Oh, I got quiet. Sorry. I'm making this decision. So, cleanse yourself so you will be made into a vessel of honor, sanctified and prepared for every good work. He's preparing you for a good work. Do you receive that this morning? Come on. Come on, put your hands together for that. He's preparing you. You know, one of my great passions, probably one of my greatest passions, is to not have a church that shows up on Sunday morning and receives. But to have a church that when we show up, it receives and then it flows out. It receives and it flows out. If you're ever just receiving but it's not flowing out to anyone else, you're going to be like the Dead Sea. It's not really living in you. The gospel's not living in you. It's just kind of an encouraging moment on a Sunday morning. It's not living. It's not active. As soon as you find one person, one person, one person, and you encourage them. You don't have a thousand scriptures memorized, but you're just like, I feel compelled to bless this person. Now, it's flowing through you. Whatever flows through you begins to expand Within. It flows through you. It's like it's like this. The Lord sees and goes, Oh, okay, so that's what you're gonna do. When I bless you, I'm gonna bless you more then. I'm gonna bless you more. You find that one person, you say something to them, you're kind to them, you're loving to them. It's flowing through you. It's flowing through you. That's how we're supposed to live. And the more it flows through us, the greater the anointing that flows. So you start off with, girlfriend, you rock. How would you say that in Spanish? Eres is that right? <laughs> it is la mejor. Bang. You rock. That one statement, that's where it starts. Then you begin to build the confidence that, man, you see in their face, you see in their eyes that that blessed them. Then you build the confidence to say, hey, Do you mind if I pray for you for 10 seconds? I don't think I've ever met anybody that says, no. Never. I'm sure it may happen. The more people I pray for, the greater the the percentage of that happening. But then when you pray, something happens. See, a lot of times we pray, we really don't think anything's going to happen, but we know we should pray anyway, so we're going to go ahead and pray. But we really don't think anything's going to happen. But as the blood of Jesus becomes real and you're no longer trusting your own righteousness, you think, you believe that he's going to do it just because of what he's done. You understand? Every single Sunday, I should say this, we've been kind of exploring some other gifts over the past few weeks. So I'll say this eight out of ten Sundays, we go for healing. And every single Sunday, people get healed. Deaf ears, blind eyes, cancer, joints that don't move. Last night, I prayed for, at at one of our services last night, this girl comes up and she goes, I'm a gymnast. My my vertebrae, it's crooked. It's all messed up, I feel. When I was praying for her, I felt her vertebrae move under my fingers. But I didn't want to have the power of suggestion and tell her what I felt. So I was like, just hold my hand and squeeze my hand if you feel anything. <laughs> boom, Squeeze my hand. My fingers went, boom. She squeezed my hand. I said, what, what do you feel? I already knew what she was going to say, but I didn't want to manipulate her in any way. I said, what do you feel? She goes, I feel my spine moving. I feel my spine moving. I feel it moving. If you're in this room and you're like, Frankie, you had me up until you started talking about miracles. I'm sorry. I'm skeptical of what you're saying. Just hang out a little while longer. Give us some time. When you've never seen it your whole life, it's very hard to just all of a sudden embrace it. I get it. But if you, the more you see, the more convinced you become. We're going to show a video right now. And, uh, and I, I want this, this moment uh, to encourage you. In Revelation 19.10, it says, when you testify of Jesus, it's actually the spirit of prophecy. So uh... let's go ahead and and play this video
1: two weeks ago i was walking out of the church and uh... prior to that like a week before that i got hurt doing some work uh, installing some speakers and uh... i tried to pick up uh... it was like a a big lift and i heard my back pop and then my back just hurt so i kept working and then that night, that later that afternoon, my pain went from my back to my leg, like lightning. You know, I could feel it. I could not even lift my leg anymore. So that night, I, I went to bed. Next, next day, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for two days. So Sunday, I come in here, and, uh, you know, I hear Pastor Frankie praying for everyone. At the end of the service, I was like, man, am I going to give my miracle? So I was walking out, and here comes Frankie. And we're talking, and then uh, Omar tells him, hey, you know, Alex, Hardy's back. It's like, why don't I just pray for you? Like, all right, all right. So we sat there right at the entrance, and he prayed, he laid his hands behind my back. I felt it. I felt the heat of the healing power of God. Never felt it before in my life. I've been healed before, but not felt the heat of God. It started getting hot, like if somebody put up a heating pad. So I asked Omar, hey, touch my back. It, it was hot it was hot so he prayed after a minute it got cool so in that at that point i knew it was god because my back's not gonna get hot and cold and then i told frankie you know tonight i know if god really healed me if i can sleep well i could not lift my leg or my foot this high I, i couldn't do it i could not do it you know that night i was able to go go to bed lift my my leg get into bed sleep really good god has healed me it's it's amazing you know i've been through so many healing services seeing people get healed i was born seeing the miracles of god and just to see it in my life it's 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 amazing
0: i remember that moment that's our, our sound engineer let's say thank you for all the hard work he does come on i love you I I remember that moment because um, God was really moving in the service, and and people were beginning to leave, and I was beginning to leave, and, and when I'm preaching or when I'm praying for people, I feel like there's lightning in my veins, and there's muscles on my teeth, but then just like you, when you're in here, you just feel like you're 10 feet tall, and then when the service is over, I just feel like I'm me again. Does that make sense? And, and I'm walking out, and I'm checked out. Now it's officially Sunday afternoon. It's not Sunday church day. It's like 12, 31 o'clock. I'm going home. I got one thing on my mind. Put a T-shirt on with a hole in it and get in my bed. It's the only thing that's on my mind. I don't know why I sleep better in an old T-shirt, but it, but it is what it is. And I'm walking out, and he says, I hurt my back. And the thought comes to my mind, pray for him. And then I was like, I don't feel like praying for him. And my faith is so low right now, I don't think anything's going to happen. I was like, then I thought this. I will regret it for the rest of this week if I don't pray for him. I'm going to regret it. So I put my hand on his back. My hand starts getting hot. No, not my hand. His back starts getting hot. I open up my eyes, and I'm like, man, God, you continue to amaze me, because here I am going, little old me, service is over, but God's still moving, and he gets healed right then. There's something about the atmosphere of God. Why don't you all just stand your feet, if you would? Put your hands out like this, and I'm gonna let everybody out of here in about 10 minutes, but. Our prayer partners are gonna come up here in a minute, and Friday night and Saturday night, it was obvious that more people get touched by God through the prayer partners than from me. And some of our prayer partners have greater gifts than I do, which I celebrate. But about this point of the service, I feel like the Lord tells me, this is Frankie who I want you to pray for. And it's like, I get a thought or an impression. And sometimes nobody raises their hand and says, that's me, and then I, out of accountability, I need to look at everybody and say, I'm sorry, I thought that was from God, but I guess I was talking to myself. Sometimes the person doesn't raise their hand and they wait for me out in the lobby and they say, I was embarrassed to raise my hand. And I'm like, everybody in the room had an opportunity for their faith to go up and, and you robbed them because you were embarrassed. And all that was going to happen is I'm going to ask you to come down here, not on the stage, just right here. And when the service is coming to a conclusion, I'm going to turn my mic off and I'm going to pray for you. But the people out in the lobby that robbed the room by not raising their hand, and they asked me to pray for them. I always think the same thing. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm not going to mean it. <laughs> just kidding. just kidding but I do feel like giving them a noogie right (laughs) put your hands in the air and let's just see what the Lord's gonna do I want to be as specific as possible is there someone I'm just gonna rattle off like two or three things first thing is is I'm doing this with my fingers and I just caught myself and I'm like I I never do that just kind of look is there someone here first of all that if you did that it would hurt or you can't do it in your right hand number two is there someone in the in the bottom right of your jaw I don't know if it's your teeth or if it's your gums or if it's your nerves. It's hurting you. And then the third person is you're getting headaches, but you can feel the headache almost like in your left eye. Maybe you have it right now, or maybe it just comes and goes. But I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for those three people. Now, this is the moment where we find out if I was hearing from God. And if if someone's hand goes up, the probability of you getting healed, oh, and scoliosis, particularly in the smaller part of your back, the probability of you getting healed is so high. It's so high. I, I put money on it. Is there anyone here that I was speaking to them? Just raise your hand. Is it you? What is it? In the bottom part of your back. You're already on the front row, but take a step forward. The bottom right of your jaw? Come here. What is it, sweetheart? Her eye? She gets headaches with the left eye. Okay, all of you just stand right here in the center. There might be more than, than these people. Is You got your hand up? Come here. Which one is it? bottom right hand. That was the of your jaw. That was the first one that I had. All right. We're going to have a prayer partner pray for that one. I just need to pray for And they'll get healed. I believe they'll get healed. But I just need to pray for for what I had a word of knowledge for. What is it? It's your left eye You get headaches. It's your left eye can Anyone else? Now I need all the prayer partners come down. Because here's the thing. Some of you came to church this morning, and you need a miracle, but it's not a physical miracle. You need a miracle in your marriage because the only thing worse than being single and wanting to be married, there are some single people, I don't want to be married, thank you very much. But the only thing worse than being single and wanting to be married is to be married when somebody you're married to wants to be single. That's that's painful. That's where you need the miracle. Maybe it's a physical miracle and I, I didn't name it. I told you before, many of these prayer partners have much stronger gifts than I do. There's an usher at the bottom of each aisle. Just come down here and they will show you the prayer partner that's available for you to pray for. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you want to. But if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If not, you're the most important person in this room. I want to invite you to come down and take the hand of a person next to you down here and pray with them.